Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, we're back once again at the Corners of Truth and Courage. Thank you for joining us here again at Fortress of Faith. If you missed our programs last week, you're listening to our new opening music and our new tagline. We really haven't changed our ministry in any way here at Fortress of Faith. We're just simply um, making the main thing the main thing. And let me reestablish this again to our listeners. Um, when I came off the mission field uh, over, well, 10 years ago in 2008, 2009, I felt the Lord leading me back to America. That was a struggle. I didn't understand it, you know, like, Really, God, America needs another preacher. <laughs> I mean, we've got thousands, <laughs> tens of thousands of preachers here. We have so few on the mission field. Why would you have me come back? But God, I believe, called me home to call my countrymen back to repentance. And God began to show me what I believe to be judgment coming. And one of the instruments of judgment was Islam. And seeing the rapid growth of it and its um, despotism that's in this ideology. Every nation that was touched by Islam lost its freedoms and lost its faith. And so we, we will continue to talk about that. But the main goal of us dealing with Islam is to cause us to fear and tremble before God and realize that God could clean our clock, could bring destruction to our nation and allow an enemy to step in and push us aside. And this ideology has its protections under the First Amendments here in the United States. But it's just as evil as Hitler's Nazism. It's just as evil as, as uh, Stalin's communism. But we can't fight it as easily because it has protection as a religion. And so it's still an issue. But the main thing that we want to major on is calling North America to repentance so that revival can come. We can't have revival unless we first repent. And that act of repentance is humbling ourselves and praying and seeking the face of God and turning from our wicked ways. That is the repentance, and that's what God wants us to do before he can hear our prayers and forgive our sin and heal our land. And so this program, maybe we kind of got focused on so much of the, the problem and took our eyes off what the solution is, and God smote my heart and got a hold of me over what's going on in our nation and reminded me that there's more than just an enemy that God could raise up. He could raise up other calamities, pestilence, famine, poverty to awaken us and to cause pain. And we better wake up, folks. I think God's being gentle with us. This virus is not nearly what was uh, feared. I mean, 98, 99% of those who get it are healed recover sadly it will claim the lives of of one percent those who of who get it that's bad enough 
but God could have made it worse. And it's an opportunity for us to wake up. And so we're going to be focusing for, for a little bit of time now more on how do we get back to God? How do we return back to him? And why is revival? Well, what is the working of revival? I mean, how does this actually work? I've been preaching now four weeks of revival in North Carolina. I have family out here and I spend, you know, I have, I have a home here and, and I deal with ministry on the East Coast and the West Coast and in between as I crisscross the nation. And the Lord has opened an opportunity for us to have this drive-in revival. Oh, folks, it's been amazing. It really has. And we've been talking about prayer. And we started a national prayer room. And we invite you to join us each, uh, each day, Monday through Friday, each weekday. We start at 12 o'clock noon on the East Coast time. That's 9 a.m. Um, Pacific Coast time, just after my broadcast ends on KARI, our home station. And you can join us. And you uh, to, to do that, you can go to our website, FortressOfFaith.com, FortressOfFaith.com. Click on the link. It will take you to the Zoom room that you can uh, register and join us in prayer and call on God for revival. We have got to stop talking about wanting revival and not putting forth the work that's involved to bring revival. Revival comes when God finds vessels that are genuine, that are um, serious about this. And that's why I think it's elusive to us because we're not willing to put in the effort to pray and pray consistently. And I've been talking often about these revivals that I have studied and the one that is so remarkable to me each and every time I keep getting drawn back to it because I see so much of it following the pattern of of second Chronicles 714 so well in others there it's there but not as clearly seen and the record of this revival and the testimony of the first-hand witnesses of Duncan Campbell himself is so profound and here's what he said, and I'm going to read from the transcript of, his, uh, of him giving his testimony of the Lewis Island awakening there off the coast of Scotland in the Hebrides. And he said, first of all, of course, it was the awareness of God. That, to me, was the outstanding thing, the presence, the fear of God in the parish and in the neighboring parishes. You could speak to any person and you would find them thinking about God and crying for mercy. And then he recalls the second thing that was of such significance. These two things were so paramount in the revival, in, a, in an awakening. And you'll read this also in the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening in America, and in the Second Great Awakening, and any great revival, you'll see first, their, their awareness of the holiness of God. And secondly, it was their deep, deep conviction of their own sin. I mean, the preaching, the kind of preaching that gets involved in revivals of great awakening is calling man 
to understand their wickedness and their enormities of their crimes before God. And I want to read to you from an old book. I mean, this goes back to the 1600s. It was written by Joseph Aileen. We call it Aileen's Alarm. He was a graduate of Oxford University. Probably you've heard, you probably haven't heard of Joseph Aileen, but you no doubt have heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great pulpiteers of the uh, late 1800s in London, very eloquent man. He himself, I mean, just reading his messages and, and just reading them and referring to them is proof enough. But I want to go to uh, Joseph Helene. This is who Charles Haddon Spurgeon would read. These are the men that, uh, that influenced Spurgeon. He was a Puritan. And here he writes what happens to a man who becomes enlightened. When they, uh, when they get awakened and, and God manifests himself in such a way, here's what happens to a man. He that formerly thought that there was little hurt in sin now comes to see it to be the chief of evils. He sees the deformity and the filthiness of sin so that he is affrighted with it, loathes it, dreads it, flees from it, and even abhors himself for it. He that could see little sin in himself and could find no matter for confession now sees the rottenness of his heart, the desperate and deep pollution of his whole nature. He sees himself altogether filthy, corrupt, both root and branch. He writes unclean upon all his parts and powers and performances. He discovers the filthy corners that he was never aware of, and he sees the blasphemy and theft and murder and adultery that is in his heart of which before he was ignorant. He saw at one time no form nor comeliness in Christ, no beauty that he should desire him. But now he finds the hidden treasure and will sell all to buy this field, Christ the pearl that he seeks. Oh, my friends, what brings true salvation to a man, to a woman, when they have godly sorrow? Second Corinthians tells us, for godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of. It is that true contrition, the brokenness of a man's heart before God when he recognizes the enormity of their crimes before God, instead of trying to fill their head with a false notion that they are a good person and that they have self-righteousness, that they're righteous in themselves, that they don't need God to save them, that God, when they prayed their prayer, God got a bargain when he joined God's team. That's not salvation. That's a false conversion, true conversion. And this is what revival does to a nation is when the, uh, saint, when the uh, religious in the churches, and I believe our, many of our churches are filled 
with false converts. And that's why we have so, uh, why it's so impotent today. And I fear there's even false converts in the pulpit preaching. And that's why we're offering chicken soup messages to warm and tickle their ears and warm the heart instead of preaching the judgment and damnation. We don't go there because it's not popular, but my friends, I'm here to tell you that if we want to see a revival in our nation, we have to turn to the truth. And the truth is, is that our sins have angered God, that we are in fear of his wrath. God has made a place to pour out his wrath. He made it originally for the devil and his angels. But if you deny your deny. God the truth and live under the illusion and lie to yourself that you're a good person you don't need to be saved you're religious and you the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 many many will say unto me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name and done all these great wonderful things God's going to say depart from me I never knew you oh we've got to get honest with this We need to start praying to God that the power of the Spirit of God would reveal the truth of our own hearts and of our nation. If we expect our nation to get revived, we must get right first for judgment begins in the house of God. And I encourage you to join us in prayer each weekday, 12 noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, And call out to God for a mighty moving of revival. 